Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 this morning, and we're going to continue to look at the idea of this is my story. And really, this is, this is probably a little bit of a different passage of Scripture than what would normally maybe be spoken on of the, the week right before Thanksgiving. Usually you've got something to do with Thanksgiving and thanks and, and all of those things. And though we'll, we'll get to that part, this, the passage of Scripture, one of the things I try very hard to do when I preach and teach is, is to not just grab a couple verses and just teach them out of context from what the whole contextual passage is. And so as I was studying and as I was looking and going through um, the, for the sermon this morning, I had to go back uh, a couple chapters really. And if you go back into chapter number 5, you've got uh, Paul writing to the, the church at Corinth and he's really uh, giving an admonition. He's, he's telling them of some things that are not good, things that are going on that ought not be happening and things that have come into the church. And so He's really kind of doing a little bit of a, a church discipline, I guess you could say, through, um, through the letter. And so in chapter 5 is where some of that starts, mentioning uh, a number of different things. Then he comes into chapter number 6, and at the beginning of chapter number 6, we see uh, Paul telling the church, is, uh, he's telling them basically, hey, you guys are arguing amongst each other, then you're taking those issues, and then you're bringing them to a, a pagan court, is basically what was going on. So you're now arguing together, then you're going to take this argument, you're going to go get some guy outside of the church, and you're going to spread the beef of the church into that that law, uh, that law office, or that that judgment, that area, and 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 do you not recognize what you're doing? Is kind of in an, in essence, in a nutshell, what Paul was writing there at the very beginning of chapter number six, and he was really uh, letting them know, hey, stop. There's a lot of things that we can handle inside of the church without going outside, getting lawyers and getting judges and having to deal with those things outside of the church. Hey, deal with it. You guys are grown adults, whatever it would be. Spiritually, you deal with those things and, and let it stop there. When we take it outside, we engage people that don't know Christ, and then they look at the, the church in a different light and so on and so forth. And he basically said, hey, use your heads. Stop. Stop. We come to verse number 9 where after that kind of that portion was kind of concluded so to speak and he continues to move on and and in verse number nine he's starting to get into um, some more stuff that's going to get really a little bit more deep more in depth of what the sins were that were beginning to creep into the church and really were to that if you without going into all of history we know that the church or that the Corinth the the area of Corinth was not a uh, not a God-loving area you could pretty much do whatever you want it's Kind of like Las Vegas. It was one of those areas where you just, it's kind of sexual sin and all, it's, 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 it was glamorized just like it is here. And so 
Paul was, was seeing and sensing those things were beginning to come into the church and Paul was dealing with some of those things and he goes on and he, he speaks of and it mentions uh, fornicators and he mentions idolaters and it mentions adultery and it mentions things that would be of a public nature of, of things that mentions the effeminate. And I don't know if you've ever really looked at this, but effeminate is literally a sin against normality. A sin against normality. And he goes on, and and as I was studying, one of the things that made reference to was, as we we become, or let me just, I'm just going to read this. Uh, These have always, the sins of a public nature have always been around. When it is flaunted and shameless, we become an apostate society and expose ourselves to the judgment of God. I would think, not because we live in Las Vegas, but we look in the, the United States of America, and we've allowed ourselves to flaunt and to be shameless with the sin of the day, and we are in grave danger of judgment. I believe we're actually seeing some of that judgment today. But today, oftentimes when we look at these things, we look at them and we call them alternative lifestyles is what we call them in America. God's Word calls them sin. Here He calls it effeminate. He says, he speaks a little bit further. He goes to abusers of self. He goes even a little bit further. He mentions of thieves, those that cannot control their wants. He goes to covetousness, dealing with an inward heart issue, never having enough. He goes to drunkards that have no control over their will. He goes to revilers who have no control over their words. He goes to extortioners who have no control over their ways. And Paul mentioning all these things and he's saying but these are the things that were or that are in our church today can you imagine paul having went and traveled and done all of the things and started churches all across the region and and so many times he writes back through a letter and saying hey you need to stop this imagine paul Paul went to Corinth and Paul went through and he was he was doing all these things. His goal was to reach all of these people. His goal was to reach the adulterer and the fornicator and those that were involved in sin and gross sin and all of the different things. That's why he went there. But he never went there with the intent that that would become who the church was becoming. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is isn't it just a gospel that saves us so that we can go to heaven one day? I believe in the, the current culture of Christianity. We promote the gospel of Jesus Christ as a, hey, come here, let's say the prayer, let's get saved, you can now go to heaven, and we forget that the gospel of Jesus Christ has a whole working action within our lives every single day of our lives. All day, every day, the gospel of Jesus Christ is at work in us or should be at work in us. See, the gospel, yes, it it takes somebody that doesn't know Christ and it gives them a hope and it gives them those things and it gives us an eternity that we can spend with Jesus. That's a hallelujah moment. We have that. But not only does it do that, see, it takes 
some of these people, if we go back through this and you look at all of the sins that were mentioned, it takes all of those things and it changes and transforms. The gospel takes the drunkard and makes them sober. It takes the crooked and makes them straight. It takes the broken family and it brings them together. It takes the addiction and, or the addicted and it releases them from those change, chains. The gospel changes and the gospel does something. And what Paul came into the church and he says, Hey, I'm writing all of these things and I'm seeing all of these things. And the changes that I thought that we would see were not taking place. The changes that were taking place was the world is now becoming a part of the church. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And he's writing all these things out. I can imagine Paul being hurt. Man, these people that I've reached out to, the people that I poured into, these, they're now going back into the same things that they once were. That change wasn't necessarily the change I was looking for. I was looking for something maybe a little more long term. I don't know what his thought was. But he goes in and he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed but you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And he's, he's letting them know, he's reminding them, and as we get here in just a moment to the points, he is reminding them, and as my goal this morning is to, to allow us to think back and to remember, and maybe some of you sitting here this morning and you're in the middle of all of those things. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. But as we look at this this morning... What is your story? Remember we started last week, this is my story. It is, as we come to know Jesus Christ, it's no longer my story, but it's His story living in and through me, Galatians 2 and verse 20 says. When I give my life to Jesus, it's no longer about me. It becomes about Him, and my story becomes His story, and His story, so to speak, is, becomes mine, and He's now living that through me, so that He is getting the glory. And many of us sit in the room this morning, many of us sit here and on, on many occasions, we don't like the story that is, and you can put your name there. I don't like my story because I don't like the fact that there has been or there is addiction. I don't like my story because I don't like the fact that there's a, a divorce. I don't like my story because I don't like the fact that there's a loss of job. I don't like my story because, and we can put all of these things in there, and we become discouraged, we become shameful, we become all of these things, just what the enemy wants us to be, and we sit back and we sit on our chair and we go, well, Jesus must not love me. God can't use me. And God says, no, the story, the story is your story. Let it become mine, and now watch what I'll do through your story. But we go, but I can't do that. I can't be that person. I can't stand and speak, or I can't go share the gospel, or I can't, and I can't, and I can't, and the, and the devil, the enemy likes to put all of those things in our minds so that our story is kept up in this little bottle, and it never gets exposed to anybody. What if 
what if all of the addiction centers that are based on Christianity, what if those men or women who were once addicted that found Christ decided to say, you know what, I can't do this because I had addictions and they didn't start the ministry that may have changed your life? What if you were going through marital counseling or whatever and you sat down with the man or the woman or whoever that was and and their life was in shambles and as they found Christ, they decided to do something with it and they created a ministry to serve needy families who are in the process of divorce or who are broken or who whatever. What if all of the people that, that go and get help for abuse all of those former, those that were abused that changed their lives because Jesus Christ came in and showed them a different way, what if they decided, I can't be used of God because of this abuse and therefore I will not start this ministry? See, every person in this room, regardless of where you came from, regardless of where you are, God has given you a story and He says, I want you to use that story. So as we go through this passage this morning, my intention is not to hound on and to stick with and to to be on all of these different sins that are in the passage. Really, the reason that I went through all of that is so that we understand the context of what Paul was writing when he says the things that he says. See, oftentimes we go to the end and in verse number 20, which is really kind of the key part of my sermon this morning, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And we will take that verse and we completely forget all of the other stuff that was going on in this passage of Scripture. And I just didn't want to do that. So we can't completely just forget the sins and the things that Paul was writing on. And so as we come this morning and we get into the points Prior to jumping into and partaking of communion this in just a few moments, I have done my best. I told Mike this this morning upstairs in the office, and he kind of laughed at me. I did my best to condense the sermon so that we can partake, we can have the service and communion and still be out on the, t- on the same time that we're supposed to be out. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But my first point is this, it's simply remember. Remember. And as we go back through a part of communion, a part of the passages of Scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that deal with the communion, it makes reference to this do ye in remembrance of me. Hey, partake of this in remembrance of what Christ did and remembrance of who God is and all of those things. But as we go through this, we, we look at all these things. In verses number 9 through 11, Paul says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither, uh, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers nor idolaters, nor adulterers, sorry, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by 
the Spirit of our God. This morning, when I, as we get into this, I get that most in this room probably look through that list of sins and look through that list of, of sin and go, wow, I, I'm not. I've never done fornication. I've never done these things. That's not who I am. I'm not a thief. I'm not covetous. I'm not... Regardless of where you sit this morning, for those of you that know Jesus Christ is your Savior, regardless of where you sit, you and I are unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not worthy that a man... Now this is a pretty cross, but that a man would have carried a cross, hung upon it, and not just carried the cross, but carried the cross and my sin upon his shoulders. See, I may not be able to look in this and it says, such of, and such were some of you. I may not be able to put my name under uh, fornication or under adultery or under some of these things, but here's what I can put my name to, Aaron Flanagan was a sinner on his way to a real hell without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've said it myself from this pulpit in the last couple of weeks. I used to think I did not have a cool enough testimony to really reach people for the cause of Christ. Because I came from the Christian home that was always in church, and I was the good kid, and I never did anything bad. When I tell people the bad things that I did, they laugh at me. Forking a football field. That's what I did the night of my graduation. How crazy is that? You're all like, what is that? Exactly. I really wasn't a bad kid. Drinking and drugs and all that stuff did not, I, it did not bother me. It, it wasn't something that was a temptation to me. I used to think because I didn't have a really bad and really cool testimony that I could not be used in the manner that God could use me. Until I really stopped as, as I got older and as I began to, to study and began to know and began to have a better and closer walk with God, the reality is, my testimony is this. I was a sinner who was saved by grace. Period. Whether I had killed people or I just said a lie, I was on my way to hell. I needed a Savior. And so when I look at this and we go through these passages of Scripture, here's the reality. Some of you in this room, you can literally put your name next to that list. And you could say, yes, I have done those things. Hey, let me encourage you with this. Verse 11 says what? But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. You no longer are those things. Paul was letting the church know, listen, these are the things that I went out to reach you and you came to know Jesus Christ. You're no longer that. Don't go back to it. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. You've been all those big words that we use in church. We try to do so many different things. 
Let me read this as I was doing my devotions. I try daily to read Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. This week, this was a quote out of one of the, the, the devotions. It says this, God is so kind and loving that of course He will forgive us. That thought based solely on emotion cannot be found anywhere in the New Testament. The only basis on which God can forgive us is the tremendous tragedy of the cross of Christ. To base our forgiveness on anything, any other ground is unconscious blasphemy. The only ground on which God can forgive our sin and reinstate us us to His favor is through the cross of Christ. There is no other way. You might say, why would I read that? Why would I state that? Because here, as we, and we'll kind of wrap this all together as we get through it, but such were some of us. And Jesus Christ took that. Jesus Christ went to a cross. Jesus Christ took upon His shoulders my sin and my shame and my story. And He said, Aaron, here you go. You have been justified. You have been glorified in Me. Go and serve. We take that so many times and we, I just can't. Hey, remember this this morning. Remember this morning, you were once this. And Jesus Christ came and He took that blood and He washed us. He made us clean. I no longer have to live as if that's who I am. It's who I was. Let me encourage you. One, don't ever forget it, but don't ever forget more importantly that God shed His blood to cover those sins. And when you gave your life to Jesus, He took that and He said, hey, that's no longer who you are. You are now new. You are a new creature. You are new in me. Now go and live. What did he tell the lady at the well? What did he tell her? Go and sin no more. Hey, you don't have to be this person. We don't have to do that. I think so many times, this may be the wrong word to say, but I think we take for granted the cross of Jesus Christ. We just take it for granted. See, in those days, this would not be cool to hang anywhere. Because if a cross was there, it meant something. It meant death. It meant shame. It meant something real. To us, we put them around our necks as jewelry. We hang them a pretty cross on the on the the building, we do them outside, we do all these things, and I'm not against any of that stuff, but we take it for granted because it is everywhere in our culture and everywhere in our society. And we forget that that cross doesn't just represent Christianity, that cross represents Jesus Christ dying, shedding His blood for me. Forgiveness is not just me at the end of the day going, oh God, thank you for the day. Please forgive me of my sins. Amen. I can go to bed and I'm washed clean. No, let me share with you. I do not believe that there is any forgiveness in that prayer. Because there's nothing within my heart that says, God, I am repentant. Please forgive me. I am humbly coming before you because I am in need of your love and 
grace and mercy. We go to bed so many times. We, we, God, just forgive me for all of my sins today. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think that is true forgiveness that I'm seeking. I think that is me as a Christian knowing the right thing to say. I can do whatever I want. And I now said, Father, forgive me. Because as simple as that little thing was, God is so kind and loving that of course He will forgive us. But the only basis on which God can forgive us is the tremendous tragedy of the cross of Christ. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us, cleanseth us from all sin. He washed us. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, Unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Once you realize all that it cost God to forgive you, you will be held, in a vi- held as in a vice, constrained by the love of God. I'm going to say that again. Once we, once I, put your name there, whatever, once I realize all that it costs God to forgive me, I will be held as in a vice, constrained by the love of God. Paul was writing to the church saying, if you would just understand and recognize all that it took God, all that it took Christ to forgive you of all of those sins, you would not be involved in that anymore. You would be hurt, you would be broken, and you're taking it and you're bringing it into the church. And it is becoming something that we, it's glorified in the church. Stop! Hey, let me cause you to remember this morning all that it cost for just that phrase right there and such were some of you you're washed I'm going to go into a couple words of verse number 11 very quickly Many in here would probably understand and know this without me going through this, but sanctification in verse number 11 says you are sanctified. That is that you are set apart. The gospel isn't just you coming to know Christ as Savior. The gospel is daily strengthening, daily setting you apart as you give yourself to Him The gospel is sanctification today and forever. The sanctification process is something, it's a process. When you come to know Jesus Christ, I'll get to this in a second, you become justified. As we are justified, God now works in us and we become sanctified. We become set apart. We become more and more and more and more and more like Him, or we should, from the moment that we know Him until the time He calls us home. Every day, every minute, every hour should be a process of us coming to be more and more like Him in that sanctification process. Why? Because it says there what? We were washed and you are sanctified. You are set apart. Justification, you are declared righteous. 
Justification is the work of God where the righteousness of Jesus is reckoned to the sinner. So the, de- the sinner is declared by God as being righteous under the law. This righteousness is not earned or retained by any effort of the saved. Justification is an instantaneous occurrence with the result being eternal life. Based completely and solely upon Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Verse 11, and such were some of you. But you're washed. You are sanctified. You are set apart. But you were made righteous. You were declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, this morning, remember. Remember that you were declared righteous if you know Christ as Savior. Remember that you are being set apart that you have been sanctified by Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed. And my last point this morning is simply glorify. If we go to verse number 20, I, I read this earlier, but it says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, just prior to this, starting in verse number 12, Paul begins to go on and he's really speaking to the the church at Corinth and he's dealing with sexual immorality and he's dealing with sexual sin there. And he's beginning to say some some things within here and he talks about a number of different things from 12 to to verse number 20, um, but but he's referencing that specific thing, that our body is a temple, he says in there, and that, that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. In 15, he makes reference, Know ye not? Do you not understand? Do you not recognize that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. He's reminding them. He's letting them know, Hey, don't forget. Don't remember. Hey, this is who we are. This is what Christ has made us. This is how Christ has declared us righteous. This is how Christ is sanctifying us. Remember all of those things? Hey, now stop. Your body is worth more than that. You are worth more than that. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in you and dwelling in you. Your temple, your body is His temple. Stop. It's kind of what He, He's just kind of screaming out through a pen and paper. Cut it out. This morning, my, this last point is not, hey, we've got all of this going on in our church. <laughs> I don't know that it is. If it is, I don't know. Well, I do want to know, but I don't really know that I want to know. You know what I'm saying? But here's what it is. Our story, your story, was bought and paid for. If a car is coming 
and I push you out of the way, and I die, or I get badly injured, I am known as a what? A hero. Many of you that have served in armed forces, we look and we say you are heroes because of what you sacrificed for the freedoms that we have. In that process, if I were to push you out of the way and I become badly injured, you feel a sense of responsibility to give. You owe me something is how we all feel, right? I would feel that I would owe somebody. If somebody saved one of my kids' lives, I would feel that I would owe them something. But yet Jesus Christ went, died, hung on a cross, and He paid. He died for me. He shoved me out of the way, and He took the car, and He died. And here's what we do. Oh, I'll do what I want. I'll live how I want. I don't owe you anything. You've already given me this. No. Paul says, no. Do you forget, have we forgotten that this body is not my body, this body is His body. He paid for it. He gave Himself for you. He has came that you might live. Glorify Him in our bodies. Listen. Your story may not be one that you celebrate and you're excited about. But your story was bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Your past may not be one that you just get excited about. You may be embarrassed the fact that you have whatever in your past. You may be embarrassed about that. But listen to me. Jesus Christ paid the price for that past and for that embarrassment. And there's no need why. He bought you. Because it's not my story. It's His story. And He allows me to have just a small part of that. He allows me. Think about that. He allows us to glorify Him. Verse 20, for you are bought, ye are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The only way that I can glorify Him is He's allowed me to do so. He's allowed me to do that. He's allowed you to do that. We're not owed anything. God doesn't, God doesn't owe me anything. God doesn't need me to stand here. He allows me to glorify Him through the things and the gifts that He's given to me. Think about that. I don't know what your giftedness is. I don't know what your talents are. But just for the, the sake of what it is, we had a crew of people that were singing, playing instruments. He's allowed them the gifts and the abilities so that they can glorify God in playing of the instruments, in singing of a song, in whatever that is. He's, he's allowed some of us to open up God's Word and to teach God's Word and to glorify Him through teaching of God's Word. He's allowed those children's workers to have the patience to deal with all of our snotty, bratty kids 
But guess what? They glorify God in that. There's people that sit in this room that have been teaching Sunday school class for 20, 30, 40 years. It's a way that they glorify God because He's given them a gift and a passion and a desire. Listen, He allows us to be a part of His kingdom work. We don't deserve that. Why? Because it's not my story. This series today, I know it's not this thank Him for everything and whatever series and sermon that maybe it should be on a week before Thanksgiving, but here's, here's what it is this morning. Remember. Remember where you were and who you were. And again, like I said, you may have a story just like mine. You're just as boring and uncool as I am and did nothing really fun and crazy as a kid. I don't know. Praise God for that. First of all, it took me time to really praise God for the upbringing that I had when I realized how awesome that it was that I wasn't involved in any of those things. It took me some time to thank God that I was brought up in the home that I was brought up in. Not because I had bad parents, but because I didn't experience crazy things in life. Remember, I was still a child lost on my way to hell. And I still needed the blood of the Lamb to cover my sin. Even in that Christian home environment. Hey, remember... Remember those nights of of drunkenness. Remember those nights of hurting. Remember those nights of fighting with your spouse. Remember those nights of hatred. Remember those nights of anger. Not because it's going to bring you joy, but remember those things and then remember and stop and go, God, thank you so much that you take and you, or you took and you covered all of that with the sin and you said, here is a new body. Here you are a new creature. Now go and sin no more. Hey, don't forget that. Remember that. And then here, remember that you were bought with the price. Therefore, go and glorify your Father. Remember, He's allowed me. He's allowed you to glorify Him. Some of the most humbling things in all the world as I've studied God's Word is the fact that anything that we get to do to bring glory and honor to Him is that He enables us to do that and to be a part of it. Some of you may sit here this morning and you say, well, I am that person. I am the one that is involved in these things. I am the one that doesn't know. And I am that person. Can I just share with you briefly, simply, and kind of give you a plea, a beg? Jesus Christ bought all of that pain. Jesus Christ bought all of that suffering. Jesus Christ bought 
all of that shame. And He took that all upon His shoulders. And He can put your name and your sin there. And He took that upon His shoulders. And He said, Father, it is finished. And when He said it is finished, He said it was finished for your sins and for mine. For your little white lie and for the murder. For your little whatever and for the bad thing. He said it is finished. This morning, let me beg you, for those of you that might sit here today and you may have tears running down your face, you may be just torn up inside, let me just beg you, let me plead with you. You don't have to hurt anymore. Because it was covered. That doesn't mean life is going to be perfect That doesn't mean that there will be no more hurts. That doesn't mean any of those things, but it means this. It means you come to a recognition recognition that God so loved the world, that God so loved Aaron Flanagan, that He gave His only begotten Son. That as Aaron Flanagan believes in Him, He might not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, God loves you. And in the state that you're in right now where you think nobody cares, nobody loves, He does. And He paid the price for you. He bought your sin. and He put it on His shoulder. Church, this morning I'm done. For those of you that know Christ, I'm just asking and pleading. Can you give your story over? Hey, I don't want to hear, and I don't hear this often, but I don't want to hear anymore from our people, I can't. I don't want to hear that I'm unable to. I don't want to hear that I don't know enough to share the gospel. I don't know enough. I can't because of. We don't need to hear it anymore. Our lives need to become His story. If you're going to sit here and you're going to proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior, then I'm going to encourage you, live it. Say, God, here you are. Here's my life. Let me have my story become your story, and I'm now no longer And in all of these things that I become very afraid of, and all of these things that I'm nervous of, and all of these things that I can't, and I can't, and I can't, it's no longer I can't. It's God, this is your story, and if you open that door, I'm walking through it. Why? Because I was bought with the price, therefore glorify. I'll be the first person to tell you this, and I've said it a million times. I said I can't many times. I say it many times more than I ought to. I stand here before you every week thinking I can't. There's enough of that. (laughs) It's just like I tell my kids, enough, knock it off, stop. In me, I can't. You want me to be real? I'm far more comfortable with one of these microphones in my hand singing a song, 
doing whatever that is that I would do back here than I ever am standing up here with this thing on my face. Far more comfortable. For whatever reason, God said, Aaron, this is where I want you right now. I don't always like that. And I've said it to many of you, I can't do this. But here's who can. Him. Because why? He bought me. He paid for me. Now go and glorify. Listen, church. He's done that for you. Now go and glorify. Because He's paid that price. Hey, unbeliever. Listen, I know today may be difficult. It may not be something that you understand. It may be something that your insides are turning, you're wrestling with. Listen, today is the day of salvation for maybe somebody in this room. Today is the day that all of those fears, all of those pain, all of that anger, all of those things may come to a place where you say, God, I don't really have a clue what I'm doing, but Your word says that you paid for that on a cross, and I want to know more. I want to give it up because I'm sick and tired of all of this turmoil that I'm living with. Let me beg you this morning. If you don't know him, don't wait anymore. And for those of you that do, why don't you stop and make it his story? And glorify Him through it. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.